We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 105, I'm told, of the pod. Yeah. Uh, Matt Rooney joined by Joe Musso here. Plenty to get to today, Matt. Uh, before we before we dive into things, uh, let's let's take the temperature. How are we feeling today? I feel feel like we're a little low energy. You, you ever have those days where you wake up and you just feel great? The body feels great. Feels like you slept for like fifteen hours and you're just ready mm-hmm. ready to attack the day. Today's not one of this those. This is not one of those days. This is one of so, those days where you wake up. Even though I got a solid, you know, eight and a half hours last night, feels like I slept about four. The back's hurting a little bit. Everything else feels a little achy and creaky. It's just it hasn't been it hasn't been a good start of the day for me. Tell me tell me what's wrong. Like what, what's what's going on here? Was this uh, a lot of cheese yesterday? No, I didn't. I did not. Dairy heavy? Think. Is this an inflammatory is that, situation? Is that, a, is, is that a thing? Does dairy inflammation, make your body bro? Hurt? Inflammation. Well, I do love dairy. Dude, dairy dairy makes all those little aches. Yeah, me too. But with all those little aches and pains, oh, you a, have a nice wheel of cheese. You have a nice I, wheel of cheese. You might wake up a little. A little no, salty, a little swollen. No, I didn't really. I didn't. Nothing, you know, jumps out at me that I ate too much cheese or anything or much dairy yesterday. I had a couple how's eggs a, for breakfast. How's our water intake? You don't strike me as no, someone I, who I, really I, tends actually, to the water. I've made an effort to get better at that. Uh, yeah. I bought one of those, you know, the 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 Gatorade, you know, big water bottles, the you know, the green ones with the orange top. I kind of yeah, but those are all, all day you know, you feel like an idiot. You other than like at the desk at work, you feel like kind of a a little toolie walking around with a squirt bottle, or at least I did at well, a certain point. I, 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 I definitely went through a phase. I don't really take it anywhere else other than, you know, home or work. I'm not walking around yeah. downtown with that in my hand, like, oh man, got to refuel. I'm, I'm not, it's, nah, it's in my backpack. Sure. But I'm not, I, no. I need you with, yeah, I need you with a bottle of water in tow at all times. All right. We yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm trying to drink more water lately. I'm making an effort at that, but mm-hmm. you know, it's just, I, I've been, hitting the gym a little bit more recently and don't don't take that as me trying to brag that i've been working out more it's like i used to just not really go at all and now i'm just kind of starting to go again mm-hmm. so it's more like and maybe the body certainly was on the treadmill for four and a half miles yesterday joe no big deal that was nice. a brag but maybe that nice. had something to do with it the back's flaring up a little bit hey. it's okay it's okay and maybe i should get a massage or something there you go Is, there have you, you ever had that you ever done that a, a massage have yeah. i ever had a massage you strike me yes, as a guy who's done that several yes. times I've had plenty of massages. Guy um, or girl or both? I, I'm, you know, now there's no, um, there's no rule on this, but a nice strong woman is, is what I'm looking for in my masseuse. Um, like, uh, not, I want to toe the line correctly here because, you know, in this age of political correctness, yeah, uh-huh. whatever, whatever your masseuse preference, preference is, I'm more comfortable with a female set of hands. Yeah. Um, I don't doing, think there's anything wrong with that. Doing the massage work, but I do need pressure. I do need a, a burly, a, a, a strong grip, uh, you know, maybe a handsome woman. Yes, I don't want a calloused hand, but I do want a thicker female hand. Yeah. If I'm being uh, if I'm being C's. picky, if I'm being picky about my my masseuse, but uh, definitely definitely lean towards the female masseuse. There, I've actually only had uh, massages from now, do you get, from do you, female masseuse. Do you get to request gender? I believe so. Okay. Um, at, at least all the establishments I've been to, 
hotels, spas, things guess, of that sort. You, you definitely make your request upon booking. 2019, though, that might be offensive now. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. If, I don't know what the especially uh, I don't in know California. What, yeah, but you know, get yourself a massage. Good for the People inflammation. But you know what you need after massage? What? Lots of water. You need I, to flush those what, toxins. What do you think? You I don't flush drink those a lot toxins. of water. I told you I've been drinking a lot like more water lately. Water. I just don't feel like you drink a lot of water. I've don't. I, I started drinking more water lately. Well, it's I'm proud of effort. you. Thank you, uh, Matt. We got some things to get to here. There's uh, water in beer, aside from lymphatic drainage. But uh, we we need to we need to talk a little. Uh, we need to talk a little sports here. A little Chicago sports, a little national sports. Where oh, do you want to dive in everything. here? Do we want to dive in in the Chicagoland area or uh, on on the nation's uh, on the nation's? You know, top we always topics. start national stuff. Let's start Chicago. Let's start local and let's start in and then work our way out. All right. Well, uh, I've been able to hear it all the way from out here, but the oh, yeah. uh, the local scuttlebutt seems to be this Bears top one hundred list. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's, it's making it's some waves. fans into a tizzy. Um, but uh, what's been your take on it? I think I think I've seen some names that have popped up too early, some names that have not popped up yet that I think should have. Um, where are you at on this whole top one hundred list? Are you are you even uh, engaged by it? Have you looked at it? I've looked at it basically by like sheer like I'm kind of forced to because I'm you I can't mean, avoid I, it. I'm on the the Bears content team at work, so there's there's a group yep. text going around that's talking about it that has people posting it all the time. Um, so I'm kind of forced to look at it. That I'm not really like up in arms about it. Or mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of people who are getting really really mad and saying like, oh, this shouldn't be that. He shouldn't be here. And in my thinking is like, does it really matter? Like, it, it, I just kind of want to see the Bears win a Super Bowl. Um, I guess the one that actually, I guess, inspired any emotion out of me was mm-hmm. Brian Erlacher being or Erlacher yeah, being all, all the way, way down 14. at fourteen. I don't, yeah. uh, I don't really get that. Um, first Erlacher ballot at Hall of fourteen, Famers. Singletary at fifteen, both kind of jump out to me. There, For, first ballot. I, I, don't get me wrong. I, 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 I can't claim to have seen uh, Bulldog Turner play or Doug Atkins or Danny uh-huh. Furman. Haven't seen those guys. Jimbo Covert. Haven't seen him play. Can't really tell you. Um, but I, I know those Reiner. names other than Danny Fortman. Like Danny Fortman, I, I've never even heard of Danny Fortman. I know there's some recency bias too, probably. But Brian Urlacher's first ballot Hall of Famer. I know he didn't win a Super Bowl, yeah. but it, you saw that guy play. He's probably the best linebacker in Bears history. Um, I was going to say, where where do you put? Well, if you're calling him the best linebacker in Bears history, then he's number two. I mean, he might you? he might have to. Be, I, I'd probably get some some flack from from some of the uh, if yeah. we have an older generation that listens to this. Uh, I'm, I'm sure my father might not be happy with me for saying this, but I didn't see Dick Buckus play. I saw Brian Urlacher play. I know how good he was. I, I, I know there shouldn't be recency bias into it, but if you put Brian Urlacher and Dick Butkus's, you know, time, I, I think Brian Urlacher's the best player in the NFL, whatever. I, I, yeah, I think Brian Urlacher should be at least in the top five. I think, uh, you know, you bring up a great point with recency bias, but the other side of the coin in recency bias is, um, is lore and legend. And there's so much lore and About legend Dick around, and around Dick Butkus. The Sid fact Luckman? that we haven't seen is there lore guys? around Sid Luckman? At Absolutely. Absolutely, Sid Luckman prior and to Jay Cutler Cuddy held had every single. Numbers. Yeah, but had, that, that's a different NFL. I the, know, I know the way Sid Luckman dominated and did what he did. But this is the thing: when when we don't have as much visual evidence and it's all um, word of mouth or uh, or verbal tradition passed on, you have to um, you have to respect those things. That's yeah. why, for me, Brian Urlacher belongs somewhere in that four 
to six category. I wouldn't move Walter, obviously. No, he's number one. That, that one they got very, very right. I wouldn't move Butkus, Nagurski, or Luckman. I would probably drop Erlocker in right there at number five, bump Gale Sayers to, to six, six, just because uh, the Kansas Comet had such a short um, tenure Such as a, a fan. I think it's a little bit. I there. think it's, yeah, yeah, it was like Bo Jackson before Bo Jackson. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it like a four or five year career or something yeah, like it was, that? It was a very short, a great one, but yeah. a very short one. Yeah. So I think I, I'd have, uh, I'd have Erlacher in there. Another name that jumps out now, if you want to uh, really just scroll down the list, do you have the list in front of you? I do have it. Uh, can you read me the name at number 35? Number 35. George Musso. Is there, is there some relation? George Musso, you say. George, George Musso, who me, Musso. now... Musso. No, 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 no. George Musso. George Musso Sorry, my bad, guys. George my, uh, my paternal grandfather, my, my dad's dad's cousin, was George Musso. Played under uh, Hallis in the 1920s, late 1920s, early 1930s. He was an offensive lineman, uh, tipping the scales around 270, which at the time was a monster. Um, I hate to say it, but at the time, was uh, was a graduate of uh, Millican University. Yeah, you know, the, back then it wasn't too bad. We didn't hate he's him back a, then. He's the greatest graduate in, in, in the history of Millican, I guess. And this was prior to any sort of Division Three distinctions. Uh, but George Musso, uh, glad to see him there on the top 100 list, representing the Musso family proudly. Well, there you go. That, that's that's yeah. good to see. Um, I would. I'm, I'm also kindly representing me by being an offensive lineman. That probably disappoints you. Yeah, I think all all O linemen. You were are you were kind of wishing that there was a little bit of flash to that Musso name, but no, you just got a big lineman who was kind of a little bit of an ass kicker, huh? So let's uh, let's look at this from like a position standpoint. Who's before we switch to I, one thing? I do want to bring up one thing that, that jumped out to me. That I just kind of put together. You look at uh-huh. the top ten. There's one eighty-five bear in there. I think that's wrong. The eighty-five you, you, Bears now, are not only the best my, team in Bears history; they might they might be the best team in NFL history. There's one eighty-five Bear. Yeah, I that don't bothers think me. that's right. That I know me. you want to honor the past and all that because the Bears are such a historic franchise, but but that is the past now. It's that's your, that's your Super Bowl. That's your Super Bowl. Yeah. I know you want to go over all hundred, and that's fine. But that's your that's your one Super Bowl. That's the best season, best team, crowning amazing collection of the Bears of franchise. Yeah, yeah. Best um, defense of all time. I mean, it begs one. the question: Ditka at number six. Is this the Bears' top one hundred players or the top one hundred individuals in Bears history? Are we taking into account Ditka as the coach of '85 I as mean, well to put him at number a, six? It, my, if you're if you're saying it's the top, you know, collection, of, you know, your top individuals, not players. Yeah. How the hell is George Hallis at number thirty-seven? Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's it's got to be players. Um, I mean, Mike Ditka, I know he had a very nice Bears career, but didn't he also move on and, you know, have great careers and basically win all, do all his winning with the Cowboys? If I'm not yeah. mistaken, I, I wasn't around back then, Joe, so I don't really uh, recall all of Mike Ditka's playing career. But, uh, yeah. yeah, Well, it, and, it and then you get totally you know, further down in the rankings. Yeah. Uh, you see a lot of those 85 Bears from 10 to 20. Uh, Steve McMichael, Mongo right there, Hilgenberg, uh, mm-hmm. Singletary, Jimbo Covert, Richard Dent, Dan Hampton. I feel like they bumped Sensei the 85 team. At 30. Yeah, they bumped the 85 team from like 10 to 20. Do love seeing the respect for Devin Hester at 20. Wouldn't mind seeing him even a little higher for what he did to, uh, you know, not only the NFL, but this franchise, or not only this franchise, but the NFL. Yeah, I think that was, uh, I was kind of wondering when you'd see him slot in, especially because we didn't see him, you know, the first three days of it. 
Uh, mm-hmm. But seeing him clocking at 20, I think that's about a perfect spot for him because as great as he was, that it was so one-dimensional. Like it's, it's similar to the Hall of Fame argument for him. What he did was was very one-dimensional, but that one dimension was just nobody has ever done it like him in Bears yeah. franchise history, in NFL history, in football history, really. So I think that's a very fitting ranking for him. I would I would have put him at 23, Joe. Yeah, you love seeing a little Robbie tribute to the number there. 62 feels a little low for uh, your franchise's all-time leading scorer, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I couldn't um, tell you off the top. I think I you're believe right. so. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Uh, 63, Mike Brown seems a little low for me. Um, he was Khalil Mack fantastic. At bear. Sixty, I think we'll see him climb that list before we'll the, see uh, a big jump over the next couple of years. Uh, I, I, I definitely believe so. Um, as we Cuddy continue to scroll down, man. come on, you got to give him a little bit more respect. I think you got to give Cuddy a little <laughs> bit more respect. <laughs> also, because coming in at eighty and eighty-one are Alshon Jeffrey and Brandon Marshall. Yeah, you, you could um, tell me Alshon should have been higher than Cuddy. I wouldn't agree with you, but I could see an argument for it. Brandon Marshall should not. No. Eighty, eighty-two feels like a snub for George Blanda. Mm-hmm. Um, if we if we look at you know the eighties and seventies, things definitely get a little murky in there because um, I, as much as I love Kyle Long, uh, seventy-four, the seventy-fourth greatest bear of all time, probably not yet. I would have had him on uh, the list somewhere, but probably not a seventy-four. Akeem Hicks, the seventy-fifth greatest bear of all like, time. Uh, to have Akeem also, Hicks, I think Akeem and, Hicks is better than Kyle Long. Yeah, and I think Akeem Hicks is going to be great and will finish as a top 40 bear, hopefully, if he continues to dominate the way he has. But, but if, you compare, if you compare the current bear's career of Akeem Hicks and Tommy Harris, Tommy Harris being 73, Akeem Hicks being 75, I think that Akeem Hicks has some work to do before mm-hmm. he gets the respect that Tommy Harris does in bear's lore. Yeah, he's know? on the right on track, a year, but he's not there On a yet. year-to-year basis, yeah, we're loving what he's doing, but that's why a list like this is so hard to compile. I, I just don't think there's any way to do it and, and do it properly. I know uh, I know, our good friend uh, and, and, and uh, ex-teammate now, Ryan Ike, was very happy to see Patrick Manley crack the list there. Uh, coming uh, in at number one hundred. Where, where I was going to say, where's Manley he, he, coming he, in? He, he's on, he's first on the list, but he's on that list, man. He cracked it. He's there. Now, Patrick Manley. Now I, I love that. I, I love that from like a, a Mister Irrelevant standpoint. That's good stuff. Right I think there. that's good spot. And hey, you know what? In his entire career, there was, I don't. I think he sent in a stat a stat yesterday to a group chat. There wasn't one bad snap the entire time. So you know what? <laughs> that's important. It, it goes a little bit over uh, overseen, but that, that that's important. Uh, Consistency I'm good with kills. That list. It does. Consistency Bring him back. kills. He can probably well, uh, still do it. That that's about I think all the uh, breakdown we can have. Hey, we could nitpick some of these rankings, move guys ten spots one way or the other. But uh, I think bo- I know, think long story short, I think the biggest gripe here is Urlacher. Yeah, I, I definitely think that the biggest gripe and snub is Urlacher. Also, who put together the list? Do we know? Do, it was Dan Ponte had some influence on it. I forget. There was two, there, like one or two. There needs to be names. like a board. It can't be one. Okay, here we go. Um, uh, Chicago Bears, as chosen by Bears Centennial Scrapbook authors Don Pearson and Dan Pompey. Never heard of Don Pearson, but uh, Dan I know Pompey, Pompey, obviously. Yeah. I know the, the longtime Bears writer. Yeah. Um, all right, Matt. Well, uh, that's uh, that's the Bears top 100 list. Well, Aside this is from that, after, after being a golf co- podcast, this is a Bears podcast. This is a football always. podcast, so we're going to talk always. about it when we can. Um, speaking of which, I believe we are just shy of 100 days from kick, if I'm not mistaken. 
Uh, yeah, we um, just did it uh, at least college football. I think I saw right. It was was a college, yeah college so football. So we just think passed about 100, like 100 days there, so that which should mean Sunday close to Sunday, whatever, whatever coming up soon. Here should be 100 days. So 100 yeah, isn't so. equally divisible by seven. So I, I correct so myself there. We will <laughs> we will continue to hold our breath uh, in anticipation. We uh, and uh, just a little bit of insight, guys. Our, our mm-hmm. production meetings for these podcasts are usually about 10 minutes before we start recording. That football preview show, though. I'll probably start like a month in advance, start playing like what I want to talk about, what we want to hit, what some topics are, what my predictions are. That's that's how much we care about that show, how much we care about football. Yeah. yeah. Dynamite Dynamite putting, a, putting in uh, putting in the extra work for, for the for the preview show. So we're teasing the preview show um, about what, eight weeks out, nine weeks yeah. out from, from nine shows out from And we got the but, opener uh, too. Very Packers much looking at forward Bears. to it. Very much looking forward to it. So, uh, year 100, the top 100, uh, it seems to be the theme, and uh, I'm sure it will be for the rest of the season. I'm sure we'll see some patches uh, of, of the sort on the jerseys this year. Yeah. But uh, it's going to be it's gonna be a blast. But uh, we do have some baseball going on in the city. Both teams, uh, you know, making for some fireworks last night at least. Rizzo hitting one off the Budweiser sign. Uh, the Sox with a big win over Houston. Uh, Matt, which, which direction you want to go here? You know, I, I, I'm a Sox fan, so let's start with the White yeah, Sox. Yeah, give us a little right? Sox talk. Um, Eloy had two home runs last night, which mm-hmm. was uh, it, it was nice to see him. He'd been struggling since he coming up. I think he was he was 0 for since his return from the DL. Granted, thrown into a couple couple tough pitching matchups there, especially with Verlander the other night. Um, but it, it was a very nice win for the Sox last night, going up against the Nat, the Astros. Uh, if, if Verlander's their ace, I guess Cole is their one B. Uh, kind of coming out and shelling Garrett Cole a little bit after being completely shut down and one hit by Justin Verlander the night before. Um, it, it, it was a nice response to see the Sox kind of explode, have a great pitching outing from Ivan Nova after really getting shut down completely two nights in a row in Houston. Something you didn't really see last year from this team. They, they showed a little bit of fight, which was nice to see. We haven't really seen that all that much, especially against Verlander. I think Eloy and, and Moncada were combined 0 for 7 with 7 strikeouts. And mm-hmm. last night they, I think, combined, you know, four for nine, two home runs, three RBIs, something like that. So it, it, it was nice to see. And tonight they got a big one, uh, Lucas Giolito, with how well he's been pitching. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last four or five starts has been a little bit against lesser competition. I would probably say this is his biggest start in a White Sox uniform simply because they're playing the best team in baseball. They looked so bad the first two nights. This is a chance for him to prove himself. They had a big win last night. This would be a massive split for this team in terms of confidence, in terms of growth, in terms of a young core. Start to see signs of you know, young guys finally kind of filling out a little bit, at least starting to show progress in that. Uh, the Sox currently sitting at 22-26. and 26. Matt, yes. are the White Sox a 500 baseball team? Can they be a 500 baseball team this year? You know, I think so. Uh, they've been playing 500 baseball, I want to say, since like April 5th. Uh, somebody threw a stat into our White Sox uh, group chat at work that I think since like April 5th or 6th, the Sox have been between one and five games under 500 the entirety of that stretch. So they're playing around 500 baseball that entire time they're playing in a division that's really not all that great outside of minnesota but you know you have to think minnesota at some point can at least come down come back down to earth a little bit uh, yeah. I, I don't see why the white Sox can't play 500 baseball if they can get a little bit healthy here if, if they bring up dylan cease and you see he at least starts to, he's not going to be great right away but he's he provides an upgrade in that rotation to what they have now 
I have no reason to believe this team can't be around 500 baseball, and they're not going to compete for the second wild card just yet. But you know, maybe at times make you think they they're they're within reach of it. Um, uh-huh. I, I think this is finally the year. You know, you see them threaten that 80 win mark that we've been waiting yeah. for to see. I think that definitely should be the goal. Is 500 baseball? Uh, the, the Sox currently 11 and 13 at home, 11 and 13 on the road. The one good. that sticks out. The one that sticks out to me. No, it's pretty bad. It's I know. Pretty mediocre. I know. I know Joe, that was the, that was the <laughs> but, joke. Uh, the thing that sticks out to me is they are currently sporting a negative 39 rub, run differential. Not great. Which uh, for teams in the American League, that is the they are the highest uh, ranked team uh, standing wise with a negative run differential and a and a pretty large disparity there as well. So that yeah. tells me that there are certain ball games where, like you said, there's just not a fight. Mm-hmm. Where if it's a where if it's a one run ball game in the sixth, it can turn into a six run ball game quickly. I, a lot of that, from what you see, is I've, obviously I've, I've watched most every game, if, if at least not parts of every game. A, a lot of that run differential has come from just brutal starting pitching at times from the back end. Ivan Nova had a fantastic okay. outing last night, but the night before he gave up you know eight earned in three innings against the Blue Jays. Uh, that's not the only time he's done that about three or four times this year. Uh, Irvin Santana had some awful starts at the beginning. Manny Banuelos' his last couple times has been out. So a lot of that has come from the back end of the rotation, not giving me any consistency, and pretty much just going out and getting shelled from the start. And it, it kind of makes, you know, if you're down 8 nothing in the third, you can try and come back, try and poke back a couple more runs, but it's not going to work all that well. And then at the beginning of the season, too, we saw how bad that bullpen was. It was just terrible. They've started to take positive steps forward. They're starting to finally get some consistency from some of those guys. And Alex Colomay on the back end has obviously provided, if, if you got a great closer, it, it's kind of a trickle-down effect. Helps everybody kind of settle mm-hmm. into that role without having to worry about who's going to be closing that game. Then I think that's helped that bullpen settle down a little bit. But I, I, we're, we're starting to see that change a little bit. We're starting to see when this offense is able to get, you know, when this offense is able to get just an average pitching outing from your starter, they're going to give you a chance to win ball games. And I, I think that's what when the White Sox can finally add some pitching, hopefully add some pitching, have some young guys grow into themselves, I think you're going to see a team that can threaten for a central division in a year or two. Um, I, I like the sounds of that because uh, that means progress. That means direction. But, uh, you know, they're, they're, in that, they're in that limbo right now where, as we talk Absolutely. about them possibly being a 500 ball club, they could also be a team that, you know, loses 100 games. Mm-hmm. No, nothing really would surprise me with the White Sox this year. With, with how bad the Central is, you know, if the Twins fell off and the White Sox got hot, it wouldn't cha- surprise me to see them challenge for the division. It wouldn't surprise me to see them finish 500. It wouldn't surprise me if just kind of around the All-Star break, one or two big injuries happened and they just completely fell off a cliff. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing that nothing would surprise me with this team, but that's kind of where I'm at with them now. Yeah. Uh, Matt, uh, your Chicago Cubs currently 11 Mine. games over 500 at 29 and 18. Please take two games back. clear of the. I take it back. Two Thank games you. clear of the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, Matt, they appear to be hitting their stride. They. Uh, you know, and I know it was said a couple weeks ago that it has that 2016 feel in the clubhouse. I think we're starting to see a little bit of that translate to on-field, but uh, the bullpen woes continue, putting them in bad spots, costing them games. Uh, how do they supplement? Because I, I know people have been uh, – the the name Keiko has been floating around, but that doesn't really help your back end. What do the Cubs do to shore themselves up here? I mean – I know 
uh, Tom Ricketts has been saying, you know, we don't have any money, we can't spend any money, but you, they, they have to go sign Craig Kimbrell, or they have to get creative and trade for. I don't know what they have to trade for a closer anymore, honestly, because their their minor league system has been so depleted over the last couple of years, and I believe their top pitching prospect, uh, Adbert Azale, is recovering from Tommy John still. So there's there's not a whole lot in the cupboard there to to move for an elite high end closer, but that's mm-hmm. what they need. The, the, this lineup is as good as there is. It's it's this lineup in Houston and then probably everybody else, um, they don't have a bullpen. And it's, it's going to go through some hot streaks, which did uh, the about a week, the, the previous two weeks before this stretch. But now they're kind of back to where they were around opening day, where there's not much there. They're relying, you know, on inconsistent arms. And that can get you through stretches in the regular season. This lineup can get you through stretches in the regular season. But without... Like I just said with the White Sox, if you have that secure closer, it has a trickle-down effect on the bullpen. The Cubs don't have that. They, they've tried Pedro Strope sometimes. He's hurt now. They banked on it being Brandon Morrow. He might never throw a pitch for the Cubs again, honestly. Um, Steve Ciszek's kind of that guy right now, and now nobody else. Everyone else's role is in flux. They don't really have that consistent presence at the back end of the bullpen, which is what they're missing. And quite honestly, if they don't, if they don't address that, that's going to be, and they don't win a World Series. That's the only reason why they won't win a World Series. Their mm-hmm. their starting pitching is absolutely good enough. Their lineup is the best in the NL for my money, especially now with Chris Bryant starting to look like Chris Bryant again. Um, that will be the reason if they don't win the World Series that that they don't do it is because they didn't address bullpen and it cost them in the playoffs. I uh, I think you're I think you're in the uh, vast majority of the way that fans are feeling and. Uh, the whole we don't have money thing should That's, raise eyebrows it's, because I just don't buy um, it. The that place prints money. Chicago Cubs, not just not just in terms of uh, the major leagues, but in terms of uh, professional sports, are one of the most lucrative franchises. If you don't um, have money, then let's take out a loan, okay? Like don't. Uh, and yeah, I don't even think you need to do that because uh, Papa Moose sat in the nineteen fourteen club and face price on those tickets. Uh, is no joke. And much. The rev the revenue that comes in eighty one days uh, a year um, should should afford you the right to uh, go get some some middle relief. I think Theo Theo Epstein should pull a pull a Billy Bean from uh, from Moneyball. I don't know if you saw that, but the trade deadline, Billy Bean offer or Brad Pitt, I guess, plays him offers mm-hmm. to to basically pay mm-hmm. for a trade himself. If I'm Theo, I mean, you know what, I'm gonna go sign Craig Kimbrell here to this one-year deal. I'm going to pay for it, and then I get paid back if we win the World Series, something like that. But that, that's something has to happen because they're not going to win a World Series without addressing the back end of that bullpen, and there's an elite closer just sitting there waiting to be had. So uh, so let's let's get uh, Jonah Hill on the phone is what you're let's saying. Let's do it, yes. Fat Jonah right. Hill. Um, Jonah Hill. Is he fat again or is he skinny get, now? I think he's fat again. But no. I, was trying I, to, I prefer fat Jonah. I was trying to do a full tie-in, but um, Jonah Hill's a Lakers fan, and they're not they're not playing in the playoffs yeah, no, right now. So playing. we likely will not see Jonah Hill courtside. I saw, I saw a Lakers but, story the other day. Apparently Adam Silver's debating moving up West Coast tip times because he yes. wants more people to see LeBron. So he, You live on the wants, West Coast. What do you think about that? Um, he wants to address this with uh, – West Coast ownership, and um, he just wants you know they're going to get they're going to get they're going to get pushed back because players love their routines and, and they rely on their routines, especially when they're at home. Yeah, um, not having a routine is something that is reminiscent of the road. You know, you just go with the flow for a 
five game rotor, you're gone for eight days, yeah. you, you get back. And when you get back, being able to play at seven o'clock, being able to get to the gym at 345, do your physio, get your massage, get your shots up. It, it would it would change a lot of routines and guys would push back on it at first, but then it wouldn't be an issue. I, I think that living out here and having the games at seven o'clock, um, it just it feels right, and I understand that not a lot of people get to watch Warriors Trailblazers in the middle of the season because it is in the middle of the night on the East Coast, and that stinks. But at the same time, you're, there's more there's more at stake here than just you're hurting. player routines, and you know, just looking at it from how it it would affect me personally. You got a six o'clock newscast you're trying to do a live hit mm-hmm. for. You got a six thirty newscast that you're trying to get something turned around for. You do these things and you're squeezing so many other windows rather than just the game. So many things are based off of tip time, uh, not only in television but in concession and in opening the doors and in paying for um, help around the stadiums and and everything that goes into putting a game on on a night to night basis. Everything would have to shift. I mean, you're you're hurting like just local fans too in general. I mean, if you if you're starting to tip games at five thirty or five o'clock, you're not getting. How am I getting from work to the stadium unless I work down the street? Exactly. Who's going to be able to leave work at four o'clock, three thirty? Sometimes if they're working a nine to five, in order to get to a Lakers game. And I'm having just been out in California. It's a little bit easier to lose track of time there with how nice the weather is. People are doing (laughs) stuff outside a lot more in the afternoon after work. I'm not done with my day sometimes by five o'clock, whatever. It, it, it's just, it, I feel like it, it's just, you're sacrificing local fans to pick up a few more eyes in New York. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't know. I've never had a problem. Sometimes if there's a late night game on, granted, I don't have to wake up early in the morning, but if there's a late night basketball game on, I catch the beginning of Warriors, Blazers, Warriors, Lakers, whatever. And then I go to bed when I feel like it. I mean, if, if there's certain games here and there you want to pick and choose for a national broadcast, I get that. That's totally fine. Yeah. I can understand it. If there's a Friday Warriors-Lakers game that you say, hey, we're moving up to five, yeah, people might be able to get to that takeoff work a little bit early on a Friday. I, I understand that for special occasion. But if it's a if it's at all a somewhat permanent thing or, or regular thing they're looking to do, I think that's just sacrificing local fans. And what's better, Matt, than you know losing three bets in a day and being down on yourself and twelve thirty rolls around and you're live telling betting, me there's a chance live betting Trailblazers Nuggets oh. and winning your money back before you go to sleep. Been there before. Let me tell you, <laughs> <laughs> haven't we all? Haven't we all? But uh, only three teams remain here in uh, in the NBA chase for a championship uh the warriors will face either the toronto raptors or the milwaukee bucks depending on when you're listening to this game six of bucks raptors going off tonight um that series or no excuse me game five yeah game five tied two yeah game five they're tied at two two uh everyone's held serve here uh home team wins and uh we're looking at game five from milwaukee tonight gonna be a another who's who courtside of uh, Green Bay Packers. Yeah. But um, we'll, we'll get to some courtside antics a little bit from now. Who do you like in this uh, raptors Bucks series? You know, I, I've been a fan of the Bucks, and then saying I think they're probably the best team in the in the East for a while now, so I'm going to stick with them. I, I know Kawhi's playing great basketball. Mm-hmm. The, the Raptors play a lot better basketball at home. Uh, th- this kind of strikes me as one of those series where the home team kind of just keeps holding serve, and I, I think that's going yeah. to happen again tonight. The Bucks play so well at home, 
they feed off that crowd so well. Uh, the bench seems to play a lot better at home for whatever reason. So I'm going to take the Bucks also because I just I still think they have the best player on the floor, even though how well Kawhi has played. Um, we have Giannis. I, I still think you have the best player in the NBA. I usually tend to side with the team with the best player. Yeah, um, as much as I'm remiss to do so, I'm with you there. I do think Kawhi is more dinged up than we're being led to believe right now, too. Um, I've seen him come up lame a couple times. I, there's a knee issue of some sort going on. But uh, I, I I do think that it goes seven. I do think home team holds serve, like you said. But I am pulling for the Raptors to pull the upset on the off chance that we get Drake and Guy Fieri in the same building oh, in the finals. That's, that'd be that's wild. kind of like that's a that's a Joe Musso fever dream. So uh, we're really pulling for that. See, so have like a anything. showdown during a timeout or something like that. I just want. I just want ad libs and flavor towns, and uh, it's just going to be a it's just going to be a, a who's who at uh, at Oracle Arena. And uh, this is um, looking forward towards the NBA Finals. This will be the last games played at Oracle Arena. The uh, the Warriors trying to send that building out on the right note. So I was looking at uh, I was looking at some uh, some ticket prices. You know, I, I will be fortunate enough to be in attendance for games three and four. But you'll probably uh, get me a press pass as well. Pending six, um, you're gonna have to go through the NBA for your press pass. No, just, but, just make a call. You uh, you're not you're gonna have to go through the NBA. Um, but uh, it, it's it's astounding to see the wealth courtside, and I'm not even talking about um, famous people, people of prominence, just nobodies with tech people that you wouldn't be able to place wearing sweatshirts and hundred thousand dollar watches. It's well, wild. That's the I, was area. At, I was looking at uh, ticket prices. You can't get in the building. For less than five hundred right now, and if you wanted to sit courtside, it'll cost you a cool thirty-one thousand dollars. So that's, uh, that's what you're looking at. That's I make that a year secondary market. <laughs> um, but uh, but it sounds like Matt, you got the Warriors penciled in as champs, regardless of Eastern. Yeah, Conference. you know, I, I I think it might be a little bit more of a fight than we've seen in years past because I, I do think those two teams in the East are pretty good and probably better teams than what we saw from at least the Cavs last year. Um, but the way the Warriors are playing, and the way, especially the way Draymond's playing, I mean, when, when he's playing as well as he is right now, it's just it's it's something that's really hard to prepare for a team that's really hard to kind of counteract. And I mean, it it goes without saying with how Steph with how well Steph has been playing. I mean, the the Warriors aren't a better team without KD, but I think Steph is a better Steph without KD. I don't think that's unfair to say because you kind of get to see him be himself a little bit and have the offense run through him. Um, I just that team's so good. They're they're just they're better than everybody else. And I think they showed that against Portland, erasing all the what seventeen point lead, eighteen point lead, sixteen point lead in the last three games. Yep. So they're a team that's never really out of it, and that never believes they're out of it. And then even if you have an eighteen point lead on them, you always kind of still now have a little bit of doubt in the back of your head. Matt, let's do a little first take topic here. Oh. Uh, Steph Curry, where does he rank right now in your current? Uh, NBA active players. I feel like top whatever list is the theme of the pod today. Oof. Where are you putting Steph Curry in active players in the NBA? That's a good question. Does uh, does LeBron count as actually like, with that, having this year? I'm not sure I have LeBron in the top three. Uh, I don't either. Um, have, having this year, I would probably KD still my number one. I, I think he does everything. And he does everything so well, and in a seven foot frame. Uh, number two, I'm going to go with Giannis, um, just because he does. He's even. He's not a great shooter, obviously yet, but he's at least developed the ability to be somewhat of a threat from there. 
and then he's pretty much just impossible when he tries to go to the hole. And I think you have Steph right there at number three. Um, if, if you told me Steph was two, I'm not sure I'd disagree with you either, um, but especially with the way he's playing now. But I think I have Steph at three and then probably LeBron at four. Uh, for me, I also have Steph at three, but I go KD, Kawhi, okay. Steph, uh, Giannis, LeBron could fight for four. K- Kawhi would be my five, I think, right now. But yeah, I, I, I don't think there's a, a wrong way to kind of phrase I think KD is one, and I, I'm not sure that's really arguable. Um, mm-hmm. But I think after that, the next kind of four are pretty interchangeable. And so I had a, a cavalier idea, no pun intended here. Uh, um, yes, there was. When... Cousins, because the nine-day layoff here, it's going to be 22 days removed from his ankle injury uh, to game one. So uh, all signs point to KD being ready, barring some sort of setback for game one. When you get into that situation, obviously you don't bench KD. Uh, That would be asinine. Uh, You start him. But if I'm Steve Kerr, the way that I work my rotations is that of two different death squads. Uh, Rotation number one, being Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Draymond Green. You fill in your uh, ancillary pieces there with, um, I don't know, Kevon Looney and and Andre Iguodala. So that would be death squad number one. Then rotating in there after is Kevin Durant, Boogie Cousins, Quinn Cook, um, uh, who else would you put out there? Livingston and McKinney. That'd be that'd be squad two. Those are two unbeatable teams on the same roster almost. Yeah. And that those two rotations allow you to run the ball movement offense of the first squad and the isolation Kevin Durant versus everybody of the second squad. Mm-hmm. I think that they are unbeatable if you work into those two types of rotations. If you start going back to the formula of having the Hamptons five out there in Durant, Curry, Thompson, Draymond, and Iggy, it gets crowded. There's not enough oxygen Only one in the ball. building. You know, and, and that's cliche, but I know. It, it really is true. And you've seen it with the way that the ball moves in Kevin Durant's absence. And I'm not saying that as a knock on KD, but KD is a shot creator. Uh, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, those are shot takers. They come off screens. They get the ball out of their hands quickly. The way that Steph moves without the ball, it's all about ball movement, movement off the ball, speed, quickness, whereas things slow down and get a little bit more um, methodical when KD's bringing the ball up the court looking for a screen and to, to pull up off of it. You know, it, it's, it's a completely different – it's a completely different tempo. And I think if you – we're able to split those two things and have those play as two different squads and keep everybody fresh. Uh, you know, I'm looking at a four game sweep and I don't think that's crazy to say. No, I, I think that's a great point. I hadn't really even thought of that. And I mean, that's kind of a solution to the, the warriors aren't a better team without KD, but Steph is a little bit better when he's not on the floor with them. Uh, you kind of separate those two a little bit. Now, obviously not entirely, but that's how you have your rotations when you kind of get some guy, your guys some rest. Um, I'm with you. I think that'd be a, a great way to attack that and a creative solution from Steve Kerr that you probably haven't seen before. Yeah. Is Boogie set to come back? Is that, is that, um, I know they keep saying I, they're not ruling him out. Last word we got was that Boogie was ahead of schedule and ahead of Durant's schedule. Even Boogie has resumed on court activity. Boogie's okay. practicing. I don't know. Full so it go sounds like in we'll see him capacity. at least at some point in the NBA Finals. I, I believe we will see DeMarcus Cousins in the NBA Finals. Okay. 
That's a prediction. Um, well, well, that's the prediction right there. Regardless, uh, NBA Finals Game 1 set for, I believe, the 30th of uh, this fine month. Where has May gone? I do not know. But uh, we put another... Uh, PGA Championship in the books here. The first one played in the month of May. Matt, before we get into what happened in the PGA Championship, how did you like the scheduling now that we're looking back on it? Did it feel any different than a normal PGA Championship for you? I liked it. Uh, I, I mean, don't. I, I was fine. I'm fine with the old way too. I, I like this one better though. Uh, the the old one was competing with you know maybe not regular season football, but football storylines, which is, is always going to be tough. I think this was just a natural spot for it to kind of slot in. And I was I felt myself being a little bit more excited for it than rather than just kind of like, oh, it's kind of the last one. It kind of you know, The British was big. This is just kind of whatever. Um, mm-hmm. and, and plus, it, like we've said before, it, it eases that weight, that transition from Masters to U.S. Open. Now that this is over in you know, three, four weeks from now, we already have the U.S. Open ready to go. So I think it's, again, I think it's a perfect time for it and a perfect slot for it. I think it uh, commend the, the PGA for making that change. Yeah, I, I liked it too. I don't think it injected any further intrigue, interest, or history into the PGA Championship. It will forever, you could put it on my No, it birthday. will always be number four. It will four. be the fourth rated uh, major. But and, I think um, it's, it's a way to get it more eyes and it, it could still raise its value even though it will never hmm. you know jump probably with the British as you know, number three, which... Whatever. What did you think uh, of the tournament the, itself? Uh, tournament itself was the Brooks Kepka show. And for uh, all but three holes, it was quite uninteresting due to his seven to eight shot lead, wherever it was. But his dominance of that course and making a super difficult test of golf look uh, pretty mundane until about the 12th hole on Sunday was you know, it was nothing short of the best golf we've seen out of anyone in probably a decade. Yeah. I, I honestly said it, and I tweeted it, that I think that this is the most dominant performance or stretch of performances that we've seen in major golf since Tiger Woods in the early 2000s. I don't. That's not a stretch. I, I know we've tried to coronate a new Tiger, and that's not what I'm trying to do because that will never be done. But... Uh, Jordan Spieth did not dominate the way that Brooks Kepka mm-hmm. is uh, three years ago. Dustin Johnson has never had a stretch like this. Jason Day, never a stretch like this. Bubba Watson and his little flicker of dominance, never a stretch like this. Rory McIlroy hasn't been able to win like this. Brooks Kepka is the most dominant major golfer since Tiger Woods in 2008. Yeah, we, we've been talk, we've talked about it several times on here, especially before Tiger came back, you know. Those six, seven, eight names have kind of been jockeying for who's the the best of this generation, this next wave. And I, I think Brooks is absolutely separating himself as that guy. He's never going to have the charisma of a Tiger or you know guys. We even. did get a fist bump out of him. Once we he got one it. fist bump when, when he won, <laughs> when he won his fourth major. We got it. We yeah. got a little bit of a fist pump. He got some emotion there. But I mean, that's it. That's that's what you get from him. And I I, I think we the results speak for themselves. That we we've seen guys like DJ, like Spieth. Uh, threatened to win a lot of majors and then kind of fall up short. Brooks doesn't fall up short. Uh, he, I mean, the Masters, he fell, he came short, but he was coming from behind there. He wasn't really, you know, the one dominating and leading and falling back. He, he made a good mm-hmm. run and, and lipped out a putt that would have forced a playoff there even too. So I, I think when it's all said and done, we're going to be talking about one of probably the best golfers to ever play. I mean, he's already got four majors. He's one shy of Phil Mickelson already. He's got Rory's number already. And it, He's been his career highlights have been 
you know, all over the last two years pretty much as well. So I think we're just kind of starting to see the best of him. And I think we're going to see a guy who's going to threaten possibly double-digit majors in his career. I think he gets around double digits as well, just with, with, with the start that he's gotten. But the thing about Brooks Kepka that strikes me is, and I'm not saying this as a negative, but his lack of, um, I don't want to call it reverence for the game because I know he's aware of history and respects it, but I don't think Brooks Kepka is a guy we see play well into his 40s. I think that Brooks Kepka is a guy who's going to make his hundreds of millions of dollars and be just fine sailing off into the sunset uh, with eight majors or 10 majors or whatever it may be. I don't think that this is a guy that we watch chase history until he's 50 years old. I probably am with you there, but at the same time, he's what? He's 30 now. Mm -hmm. So I think we're looking at like at the very least 10 more years of, of at least five more years, probably a very good golf and 10 more years of, you know, highly competitive golf where I think you'll still see him win some. So that's 20 majors. He wins at least 17 of them, right? Yes. I mean, that's the pace he's on at this point, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, but uh, currently two U.S. Opens, two PGA Championships. He guarantees that he will win a British at St. Andrews. So uh, once the rotation comes back big. to St. Anne's, yeah. So uh, he, he really likes, I guess, that fits his eye. But, uh, Matt, we're, we're in a ranking mood, as I've said uh, during power this rankings. podcast. Yeah. Let's, rank, let's power rank the major championship trophies. Okay. Uh, the Masters trophy uh, will include both the jacket and the silver-plated house that yeah. you get. So, I don't really care about uh, that. I just care about the jacket. Well, they both come into play. I'm Rank aware. the trophies uh, from best to worst. I mean, the gr- the green jacket's number one. Okay. Right? The, the green jacket has got to be. Uh, it's, it's arguably the most iconic trophy in major sports, right? Yeah. I argue that the Stanley it. Cup. These, uh, I've had this. I've, okay, that's that's a fair point. But in terms of one ones you'd want to win, is I, it'd be great to win a Stanley Cup because that'd be you're part of a team. That, Me as you know, a big wins. suit guy, give me the green jacket. The green, the green jacket. Guy. Not only is that right up there with the Stanley Cup, but you won that thing by yourself. You won that. Whereas you know Stanley yeah. Cup, that's part of. Well, maybe the group is more. I don't know. You get what I'm saying here. Uh, number two, um, as much as it pains me to say, I'm going to go with the claret jug. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. I think it's cool you can drink out of it. Um, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's, it's as old as, you know, golf itself. It seems like that thing's been around Phil's forever. $40,000 bottle the, of wine. Exactly. This, the stories, um, I think I'd probably just put like a, a Coors Light in there, but Phil went, went the $40,000 bottle of wine route. That's fine too. White Claw. You'd go White Claw. Yeah. Don't shotgun those. Remember. Um, and honestly, <laughs> I, I think, I think the PGA championship trophy is a little bit cooler than the U S open for me. Honestly, it absolutely is. Um, I was going to make there's similar trophies, but it's just, it's bigger. It's kind of more prominent. Like the U S open trophy doesn't, doesn't like it's historic and all that doesn't do much for me. I was going to make the case for the Wanamaker almost being number two, but the history behind the, uh, the, the Claret Jug. I'm with the, you. The, the history does it for me with yeah. the Claret Jug. Yeah. But, but uh, the Wanamaker, the top of the Wanamaker does come off. You can drink out of it as oh. well. Yeah, that's, still, so. that's interesting. Then you can also like fun. eat cereal out of there too. You can't do fun that fact right there. Whatever, yeah, whatever, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do. Maybe like an ice cream sundae. Yeah. Um, well, while you uh, dream of Sundays out of the Wanamaker, I got a grievance to air if you sure. don't mind. Yeah, I'll hit the music and then start thinking about ice cream. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. <laughs> I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> no. 
You're gonna hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, cause I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Some news that came across the wires yesterday of the MIAC Minnesota Intercollegiate Athletic Conference kicking out St. Thomas uh, as of effective, I believe, 2021. They will be phased yeah. out by 2021. Uh, they cited a number of different things, but it essentially boils down to their football dominance. Uh, St. Thomas good. has has become a bit of a powerhouse, has won a certain number of consecutive conference championships. Uh, they have yet to win a national championship. I believe they went to one and lost. Um, Our good I'm friend Xavier Vergara was mistaken. on uh, Xavier Vergara was. I was you know, down to Illinois Wesleyan and St. Thomas in my decision as well. And Coach Caruso is a fantastic recruiter and an outstanding coach. And it has um, been plain to see over the last decade at St. Thomas. But, Matt, we are watching the uh, – Lily, the uh, I don't even know how I want to put it, but the softening of uh, of our of our fabric of our country, and this is this is yet another example of uh, how the competitive spirit and the edge of the United States, and not to go too broad here, is corroding, and the idea of telling a group of kids. And all of these different schools across the MIAC that if you can't beat them, boot them is the wrong thing. And this is sending all the wrong messages to all these kids, and they should be embarrassed. And if I was St. Thomas, and if I were Coach Caruso, I'd have a banner made that said, MIAC Champions Forever Kicked Out 2019. And they should take pride in this, but at the same time, they should be infuriated by this. This sends the wrong message to schools and kids everywhere that if you can't beat somebody and if you're not good enough and if you haven't worked hard enough that you can go to a board and have them voted out. This is a shame. This board should be ashamed of themselves. The MIAC should be ashamed of themselves. Whoever brought this to the board, whatever school complained, should be the most ashamed of themselves. This is a travesty. Yeah, I just I don't really get where this the like, who starts this and comes up with that with this idea if there's like MIAC school scheming like, yeah, we should kick them out because they're too good. Like what athletic director or coach thinks like, yeah, you know what, we can't beat them, so we should kick them out. Like, no, I you want to beat those guys. Like when we were at Wesleyan, like North Central was going through a dominant reign. Did it ever consider like ever thought popping your like, man, I hope they get kicked out of the CCIW because we have trouble beating them and I really don't want to no. have to do de- No, you want to go beat those people. Rick Flair said it, Joe, to be the best, you gotta beat the best. And now no, right. nobody's ever going – you win that conference, it's a consolation prize because you only won that conference because you booted St. Thomas. Now, I, I think it might end up being a good thing for St. Thomas in the long run because with, with their run of dominance, with the way they recruit, with the amount of money they spend on football, uh, on football, which I believe I saw in an article is $1.1 million annually, which is insane. Um, mm-hmm. I think you'll probably see them apply and, and, and probably try and move up either to D2 or FCS, see how that works out. And in the long run, that might be a good thing for them. But for right now, it's just it, it kind of floored me. Like it, how I'm speechless as, as to why or how this idea even came about. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm incorrect here because St. Thomas didn't even win the conference championship last year. Oh, they okay. went that six and two in conference. St. John's was eight. and zero. St. John's won the conference. 
Um, so, and, and I know the big Tommy, I know the Tommy Johnny Tommy game Johnny is rivalry. everything. So what's going to happen to the Tommy Johnny? We don't know either, but I'm looking at St. John's. I'm looking at Bethel. I'm looking at Gustavus. I'm looking at Concordia. I'm looking at St. Olaf. I'm looking at Clarendon. I'm looking at Hamline and I'm looking at Augsburg. And I'm saying you should be ashamed of yourself. I can't believe that at school, and I have no reason to believe this other than just kind of logical, rational thought that a school like St. John's with the history there, with that rivalry, with having just won the conference over St. Thomas, that, that they, they would have, have wanted to see. I, I, I can't believe that that school with that history, with that, again, like with the results last year, wanted this to happen. I, I can't believe that they were spearheading or saying this should be done, especially being competitive with St. Thomas every year. I, I can't believe that. But the other schools, whoever brought this up, whoever voted on like if, if I was an athletic director and this has brought up me to vote, I'd tell whoever, I'd tell the conference commissioner, you know, go F yourself, whatever. Like, I'm not, no. Why would I kick a team out of a conference? It just, it makes you hear sense. that. You hear yeah. that? Matt Rooney's telling people to go F themselves. Well, we don't have the explicit so, text. So, so careful. Keeping it casual. So, there could so be you, kids you, in the you, car. So you be careful. When just Matt in Rooney's case Tim's listening to, to this podcast with Hannah in the car, <laughs> I can't be swearing in front of him. Can't do it. She's that's, picking that's up just, words now. It's it's a whole that, thing. You can't swear on the kid anymore. It's just you. Not being that a, I ever did. Just, Tim, just you being did. a good uncle. Yeah. Just you being a good uncle. Good. That's all that is. But you yeah. you mentioned Coach Cur- Cur- uh, Glenn Caruso. He spoke at the uh, back when I was coaching at Fenwick. He spoke at the uh, Fenwick Coaches Clinic. The, the annual compelling CCA individual. Great guy. Compelling individual. I, I uh, Xavier Vergara was at this as well, and he kind. I was I was up there talking with both of them, and and. I was also considering St. Thomas when I was going to play football because he was one of the guys that came by, you know, Fenwick and talked to, you know, us all that. Mm-hmm. He like I, I he distinctly remembered sitting. It was it had to be five whatever however many years ago at the time, like seven years ago. Said yeah, remember talking about you know sitting down with you Xavier and Brett, you know, there in the Fenwick, you know, like outside of student services, and then went on to talk about how you know three years prior we were going to play St. Uh, Wesleyan was going to play St. Thomas in the playoffs. But then Alex mm-hmm. Tanny, uh, Rob turned the ball over five times, but Alex <laughs> Tanny uh, had a big second half, and then we didn't. And I, it, the, the memory on that guy, and the, it, you see how kids kind of can draw to him and how much how they they like playing for a guy like that so much. He was, he was a fantastic guy. The, the memory on him to remember, you know, a sit-down with one recruit yep. like that's seven years coach, ago was just wild to me. Yeah. yeah. And well, that's Matt, my story. Uh, that's, a, that's an MIAC shame and uh, – just, uh, I hope there's an appeal. Of Norm, make a phone call. Bring him into the CCIW. Make a, CCIWAM. College Conference of Illinois, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. And Indiana, and Minnesota, and yeah. Midwest. Yeah. yeah. Just, I like it. Yeah. CCI. Yeah. 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 I'm done. I'm yeah. done. I, no, I have no good. more jokes. Yeah. Why don't we do, why don't we do by ourselves? Why don't we that stop it here from yeah. your own self? Save yeah. me from myself. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. I like to buy 500 shares of Animotion Incorporated. Animotion is up an eighth after plunging 75 points this morning. Hey, cuz, heard you having money problems. Sell, sell, sell. They're all selling at five, five, five. I can't believe you put your money in that Centrex. You could have invested in my rollout tie dispenser. You can get a good look at a T-bone by sticking your head up a butcher's ass, but then, no, it's got to be your bowl. I declare bankruptcy! Okay, I'm going to start us off here. Uh, Matt, uh, we talked NBA Finals. We talked, uh, you know, a little bit of crowd uh, control, a little bit of uh, celebrity sightings. Oh, yeah. uh, none none bigger than Drake uh, in the six rubbing shoulders, uh, supporting his guy Nick Nurse. But uh, the Bucks head coach, Bolden, uh, excuse me on this one, Boldenholzer. 
Mike Budenholzer uh, had some had some strong words for Drake saying there's a reason we have lines and barriers. Uh, there's no room for fans to be taking part in games in that way. Uh, buy yourself Budenholzer's response. I mean, I kind of get it. I wouldn't be thrilled if fans were walking around the sidelines too. Granted, it wasn't his sideline. But, like, if that fan wasn't Drake, if it was just a random dude who walked up and started rubbing shoulders and Nick Nurse, he'd be arrested. And I know it was Drake, so it's okay. But what I, I don't know. I, I, it didn't He's a like, minority owner me. of the team. He is? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, well, then I'm yeah. fine with it. No, that's fine. I'm cool with it. He's an owner. He can do what he wants. It's just, th- this is where Completely we're going to draw changed. the line. I, I went from this selling is where to we're gonna draw the line. To selling. No, but, like, is this where we're going to draw the line in the NBA? The NBA is pure reality television at certain moments. It is pop culture and sport intertwined. This is exactly what the NBA is. The NBA is Drake rubbing Nick Nurse's shoulders. It's all surmised. And it's fun. That's why the NBA has been successful over the last decade. It's fun. It's unbridled, unabashed fun. It doesn't have the pretense of baseball. It doesn't have the rules and the stuffiness and the commissioner of football. It is fun. This is fun. If Nick Nurse this doesn't have fun. a problem with fun. it. That, okay. And take into account who Drake is. This is – and people are going to get mad that I'm saying this, but this is Paul McCartney rubbing uh, – Pat Riley's shoulders, and I know those timelines probably don't match up, but just older is, people. Good job. It's older, yeah. Okay, this is the biggest star in the world sitting at a game rubbing a coach's shoulders. This is this should be heralded. This should be hilarity. This should be enjoyed and celebrated. I, like I like it. Like I said, I'm kind of in between. I'm not. I wasn't offended by it. If I was the other team's head coach, I would not have loved it. And that was the original question, but uh, I, I, I'm just, I don't really, it didn't do much for me. It happened. It was there. I, I'm not really too up in arms about it. I'm not really too pro it. Um, just as, in terms of a driving the show aspect, though, Joe, you kind of missed an opportunity to bring this up earlier, even though it was by or sell when we were talking about massages. Mm-hmm. You could have seamlessly transitioned to this. I know driving the show isn't easy. Transitioning isn't always that easy, but I just mm-hmm. want to give you a little tip there. Thank you, thank you. This is so get Drake in early as possible. Yeah. Oh no, just the, well, the the rubbing shoulders and the massage talk when I was talking about massages. Gotcha. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That would have been come on, man. Good. Get your head. Good. That's my get your head in the game. Um, Matt, I, I was I was incorrect, uh, misinformed. Uh, Drake has a non ownership role in Toronto Raptors. He, he's like a consultant or so like a yeah, yeah. Like a re- nothing something. He's, uh, an ambassador. Yeah. There you ambassador. go. And then yeah. didn't he like, didn't he get in trouble for like tampering because he was made like named like in a, like in a, whatever a, basically a celebrity ambassador and then was talking about how good Kevin Durant was or something like that. I think that happened uh, yeah, a couple but, years ago. Um, but I will uh, I will save me from myself this time, Joe, and I'm going to transition yeah. to my buy or sell. This one hits me. This one hits me hard. All right, this okay. one hits me right in the feels. It's going to hit you right in the feels too because we got a lot of memories with this one. But the NFL has has, stopped, has asked teams to stop running Oklahoma drill in uh, camp. You want to talk about soft. You want to talk about teams, players, whatever. <laughs> the country going soft. Joe, buy or sell. The demise, I'm not going to say the other uh, word, but the, the demise, the end of the Oklahoma drill. 
I sell it just because it is a fabric of football. It's a fabric of summer. It's a fabric of camp. And I remember when we were young, we used to run Oklahoma drill all season, uh, Wednesday Oklahoma drill or whatever it was. And, you know, by the time we got to our final years of football there at Leslie, we were only running Oklahoma drill maybe twice. And oh, it was, no, in, that's, it that's was cute that you think was, that we ran it in the playoffs. My senior year. Yeah. Stupid. Um, uh, no. Uh, why would that be stupid? But it was, you know, it was a thing you did in camp to uh, first day of pads. And then it mm-hmm. was a thing you did midway through the season when practice was lacking and guys were dragging. Coach would blow the whistle and line up some Oklahoma drills. Mm-hmm. So was it being phased out? Yes. And we watched it be phased out through our years of playing the game. But to actually uh, legislate it out of the game, I think is silly. I I kind of can see it from an NFL standpoint to an extent because they probably don't really need it all that much. And essentially, like in-season practices, even when they're wearing pads, they're really not hitting all that much. Uh, I, I hope it doesn't mean the full demise of it you know, throughout uh, all of football, but eventually this probably has some sort of trickle-down effect where if you know the NFL does it, then the NCAA might kind of adopt it and then, you know, so on and so forth. I, I hope it's not the end of it. But, yeah, there's there's always going to be some memories of, you know, 100 degree heat out in the priory you know run oklahoma drill or out in that uh, the 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 old practice field at wesleyan running oklahoma all that stuff but uh it, it's it's weird to see it uh see it gone now that at least the, the beginning of kind of the end of the oklahoma drill yeah but yeah fun um, fact norm ran at uh the wheaton week uh north central week and then the first week of the playoffs so that makes a ton of sense yeah, that made that, that was you know for a banged up team of you know, pretty much entirely seniors, we probably really needed to run Oklahoma drill before big games. Yeah, sure. That was a thing. I'm yeah, sure. uh, Matt, I got one for you here. Uh, buy or sell? Uh, I'm sure we heard, as everyone has, uh, Chris Long retired and subsequently on Wednesday um, had some some choice words, some words. comments about uh, the use of uh, marijuana in a medicinal extending his middle finger to, to Roger Goodell and recreational uh, capacities. Um, Chris Long coming out and saying that he used marijuana throughout his NFL career uh, for pain management and for uh, recreation. Matt, buy or sell uh, medicinal uses and recreational uses of marijuana in pro sports? Um, you know, I I am all in favor of medicinal uses for, 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 uh, for pro football players, pro sports, pro athletes, whatever. Um, because it's just it's safer than the alternative. You see the painkillers that are prescribed to even guys. You know that the, the painkillers that are given to guys that, who are at our level at D three. I think they're the side effects those can have in your body in the long term. I mean, I'm not a doctor, um, obviously, mm-hmm. um, but I, I think marijuana use is a lot safer than a lot of those drugs. And I, I think we're closer to getting to that point where it's going to be i mean if roger goodell is considering it then that means it's finally starting to come around and i think you'll probably see it eventually so yeah uh, i think it's a much safer use than than what they're currently using now with with all these painkillers that you see giving people problems um you know without with their body with scar tissue even mentally to an extent uh you know in in their futures i think it's it's a no-brainer um to even if you want to just make it you know prescribe it has to be prescribed by doctors which i think is what Goodell was was getting at here, at least with their first step. I think it's a no-brainer to go ahead and do it. Well, if you're going to do it that way and you're going to take the medicinal route and you're going to prescribe it by doctors, 
it should be just as easy to get as the painkillers then for these guys. Because I know Agreed. that any any one of these guys on on a roster can walk into the trainer's room and have a bottle of Tordal in his locker after mm-hmm. practice, probably a 90 count. Yeah. Um, so he should be. it should be just as easy for him to get marijuana if it's going to be used in the medicinal capacity. Agreed. And they are going to okay it for that. So don't... Uh, don't make it a yes and then make it hard for these guys to use or get or mm-hmm. regulate. My stance on it is not only should it be okay and should it be used for the medicinal purposes, but we are talking about grown men and we are talking about individuals who um, make decisions and oftentimes make bad decisions, but you need to allow them to make their decisions. I don't think we should be telling 30-year-old men what they can put into their body if it's not performance enhancing. And and I can tell you that uh, marijuana is not performance enhancing on a football, baseball, golf, any field of play. It's not going to enhance a professional's play. Um, I don't think that these players should be under the influence of these substances during the game, during, uh, you know, uh, practice in the facilities. Uh, I, I don't think that that's the place for it, but in the comforts of their home on an off day, a 35-year-old man should be able to make the decision that he wants about what he's going to put into his body, non-performance enhancing, in my opinion. I, th- I, I agree with you to an extent, but at the same time, with it not being like, you know legal in terms of United States law everywhere, I think that's where it becomes tricky. I think if it's legal where you are, you should, yeah, I, I I wouldn't have a problem well, with that, okay, but I think well, that's where it becomes true. Let's I mean, further eventually, this I think conversation. Legalized. Yeah, so let's is, further this conversation because it does look like with the more states that come on board that eventually it will be federally legal and federally taxed. When you get to that point, buy or sell, is there any grounds to bar athletes from using marijuana once it is federally legal? No, I, I don't think so. continue to stigmatize it and, and make it a, a no-go uh, on playing fields and c- claim that it's a performance enhancer or whatever. However I mean, you technically can, but I don't think they should. And I don't think they will. I think as soon as that, I mean, I think with the way things are trending, especially with now Goodell even being op- you know, open to, you know, at least exploring the opportunity for, for medicinal purposes, I think you're eventually seeing, especially when it becomes legalized to an extent in tax, like you said, throughout the country, I think you'll see it removed from that banned substance list, substance list. And I'm with you. It, it's, at that point, it's it's a grown man deciding to choose what to put into his body. Can you uh, can you throughout that entire conversation just uh, post edit um, Stephen A. saying lay off the weed, stay off I, the I weed. I can probably figure that out. Yeah. yeah, like as many times as you can in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just loop it maybe from start to finish. In the I'll, I'll, you know, like when we do uh, you know the the quick NFL recaps when I have the NFL primetime music underneath mm-hmm. it. I'll just have Stephen A. saying lay off the weed underneath that entire question. Perfect. Okay. Uh, you got uh, you got another one for me. I do, Joe. We're gonna. Th- this has been a hot topic this week, and I think this is one that uh, your favorite bring, place to shop bring, is, brings. Uh, no, brings us I back to all of our childhood. My my favorite place to shop, Joe, is uh, is golf pro shops. You know that. Um, got it. This brings us back to all of our childhoods a little bit. NCA football, EA Sports is exploring bringing it back. I, I believe they, they're trying to figure out a way to compensate players for likeness and image, which would lead to open the door to the return of arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, video games of all time. So, Joe, buy or sell NCA by 2020, it's probably unrealistic, but buy or sell, we have an NCA football 21. Um, 
I'm going to sell or it. Or my hopes is too high up. I think your hopes are too high. And I, I think know, this is are. all the product are. of them just having a conversation about image and likeness. And I think that gets tied up for at least four or five years anyway. So if it's connected to that, I don't think we see it by 2021. Will they see an opportunity to make money off the video game again and bring it back? Yes, that's likely to happen sometime in the not too distant future. But, um, uh, you know, to go a different direction on this, it wasn't the best game of all time. I it was up there. It, maybe top top seven, top that's, seven video games of all time. That's up there. Yeah, okay, it's up there. But Impromptu rankings, top seven video it games of all time. Go. Okay, uh, MVP Baseball 2004. Okay, that's like the greatest um, soundtrack of all time. I'm not sure greatest. It's also the greatest. Time. It's one of the greatest video games of all time. MVP um, Baseball was definitely much better than the show. I will give the, you that. This is my list, okay. Uh, the Madden with Vic on the front. On that was great. The Madden with Vic on the front, I believe, was 04 as well. Also great um, soundtrack. Uh, Call of Duty, the first uh, time. What was Nuketown? What was the one with Nuketown? Was that, uh, uh, was that Special War- Ops? Uh, no, Black uh, Ops? Mod- Modern Warfare 2. Modern Warfare. I think that was Modern Warfare 1. I think it was the first Modern Warfare. Okay. That's up there. Um, for me, Uncharted, the entire Uncharted series is Never up there. Um, uh, Halo, you got to put Halo 2 in there. Halo, um, Halo 2 was fantastic to play online. Um, what that else? really started and- the online gaming revolution. NBA two really the NBA two K NBA two K has really carved out a yeah. massive place in the video game space. Two K nineteen being, I think, the best iteration of it thus far. Um, there's a lot of great video games. Uh, NCAA football is fun. I'll take but, NCAA um, football over two K. Okay, I wouldn't, but okay, I would. Yeah. Okay. All right. It's fine. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah, uh, Matt. You got. Uh, we had a mailbag, right? Oh mailbag. yeah. It's it, well. It's Memorial Day, so we got to talk a little bit of food here. We got a we got a food theme Memorial Day mailbag, Joe. Take us mm-hmm. through. I know you're going to be working, but uh, you work during the day on Monday. You got to work at night. Monday, I will be nightside. Okay, so you're not going to have your chance to have your little Memorial Day barbecue. But hypothetically speaking, if you were going to be hosting a, a Memorial Day barbecue out there by the the little pool in your condo complex, Joe, by the, you said they have the grills already out there for you. What are you grilling up? What are you serving? What are you making? What are some snacks? G- give me the Memorial Day, the ideal Musso Memorial Day spread. Oh. Man, I think Memorial Day spread is just like have it. Don't don't not have it. You got to have everything. Yeah, a little bit I of think everything. You got to have you got to have brats. You got to mm-hmm. have Polish. You got to have chicken. Mm. You got to have burgers. You got to have steaks. Um, you can't forget sides. Like sides that do well by Grill the pool are hard to come by. Like corn's great, but like. It's hard to do mac and cheese poolside. It's hard a, big, to do. A, a big bowl of cut up uh, fruit. I, li- I like, you know, some, wa- a some big melon bowl of in cut there, up fruit. some grapes. Um, you yeah. need to end up with some jello on the back end. There needs to be some jello out there. Uh, put the bananas uh, in the jello? Put bananas I don't, in I don't there? Like, I, don't like the, I don't like the fruit in the jello. Maybe yeah, a blueberry, like but I don't like the, the fruit in the jello. Yeah. yeah. Um, Got to have a jello. I feel, I'm not a big fan of potato salad, um, but I feel like you need a potato, a cold potato salad. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, your classics. I think you just need your classics. I think um, that is, I think that's in a nutshell, the definition of a memorial. When, when you think Memorial classics. Day cookout, the classics, whatever yeah. that is in your head, that's fine with me, but you gotta, you gotta put out the classics. You put, I gotta put out the greatest hits. You don't need to get fancy. You just need to have a little bit of the old faithful, a little bit of everything going. Um, I think yeah, that's I'm, fair. I'm there for it. I'm there yeah. for it. What are uh, what are your Memorial Day plans? What do you got? Uh, we're uh, we're gonna be up in uh, up in Michigan for the uh, the family's going up all on Friday, but uh, 
you know, I, I, I unfortunately have to work Friday night and then uh, Saturday we got a one o'clock Sox game. So after that one o'clock Sox game, I'm going to uh, hit the road up to the lake house. We're going to, we're going to hang out there Saturday night, Sunday, play a little golf weather permitting, go in the pool weather permitting, have a little play barbecue, play the dunes. I actually get to play there this weekend because I'm not allowed to play there by myself anymore because I got too old and I can't oh, afford my membership. It's a rough, rough. life, Joe. I got, uh, I got like, Close to 20 years of free golf there, but now it's up at 27. So, you can know, you, it's, uh, it's a tough life. Can you can you apply for junior membership so we can get out there when I'm home? You know, if they, if they ever adopt the junior membership system, Joe, I think I might be the first one to apply to it. If not, you know, we are allowed to play with with my father out there, so maybe we'll get him to take us out there one time. Yeah, we're just gonna have to. We're just gonna have to. And I think that Dad, that would you like to be part of a foursome? That fully enriches the experience, yeah. anyway. So yeah, uh, exactly. So. We might have to you buy a couple extra him. sleeves, a couple extra sleeves of Joe's balls for the crew. You get to find a, a few custom TJR thirty four Titleists out there. You get to see <laughs> only him. only ones, only he, ones. Only, you get to see. No, sometimes he he did he does have a couple sleeves of thirty four. Like he will get okay. TJR on the side and then Titleist thirty four. He's done that. You get to gotcha. see him create one his own tee box a little bit sometimes. Sometimes on number seven they back up the white tees a little bit too far. He doesn't oh, like yeah, that. I mean, we bump it up to the front there. You got to be in your spot, and I respect that. I, uh, he wants to be comfortable I, on the golf course. I know. Uh, I know. TJR is a is a award winning, long time uh, dedicated listener to the Moose and Moose Pod. Arguably biggest. So uh, fan of the I'm just gonna I'm just gonna lob one out to him right now. I was told during our time in Palm Springs that uh, the the markers, uh, the the actual tee box is more of an arbitrary thing for TJR. He will, it's more of he a will, suggestion. He will peg He will peg a ball at the front of a tee box. He will peg a ball at the back of a tee box. As long as he's in the short stuff, he's TJR's on, playing. He's on the same, uh, the same grass plane, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But wherever he feels the tee should be is where he tees up. And I respect that. I, I love the shit out of that. I respect that. That's. <laughs> I hope to, I hope to, I hope that that's a power move. I hope he will pull off one day. Yeah, that's good stuff. I think he. I think he said he fired like an eighty-one or an eighty-two in Florida last week, so that's pretty cool. He's still, still out there benching three hundred, shooting eighty ones at at age sixty-two, sixty-three, and I'm doing what I'm doing at age twenty-seven. Like a, like a fine wine, Matt. He is one we can all aspire to, but uh, uh, until then, we 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 got podcasts to do. That's true. uh, We got stories to tell. Uh, work to be done, and uh, we gotta start to do to, that work with you. We gotta start planning our next, uh, our next um, in-person, on-site podcast. Maybe on a golf yeah. course somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Since the last Good one stuff. failed so miserably, the lost episode. Yeah. One hundred and three. Yeah. One hundred and three. We'll have to bring back. We'll have to bring back snippets of it one week. Uh, that that we get clear. <laughs> anyway, we got not, all, not only is one not only is one hundred and three saved on my computer. I'm not sure if you remember. I was told uh, later that night sitting around. Oh fire yeah, no, no, record, no, no, we record on the. Uh, no, no, no. We don't. We don't speak of. We don't speak of the actual lost. You, you want to talk about true lost episodes? That's the true lost episode right there. And with that, we say goodbye on episode one hundred and five of the Moose and Runes podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it as always. Send us those mailbag questions. We do enjoy them. We hope you have a wonderful holiday weekend as we lead into this beautiful summertime a time that is uh much revered in the chicagoland area it's been, summer out, it's been summer out here in sack for about three months now but uh summer in the summer, sack. summertime chicago uh, on its way we hope you guys enjoy it with some moose and runes in your ears for matt rooney i am joe musso we will talk to you next week man 
May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.